Good morning and welcome to the Weldon Green Podcast. Today I'm going to bring you a new episode of the Ask Weldon Show. You can check the show out live every day, 6.30 p.m. at twitch.tv slash mindgamesweldon. And remember that everything in the Mind Games brand is supported by the Mac program, mindgames.gg slash MAC. And you guys should use the code podcast as you're listening to the audio version of the show rather than the code that I share during the video. All right, let's hop into it. Good morning and welcome to the Ask Weldon Show episode 238, How to Make Your Team Not Tilt and Mastery versus Escapism. This is the Ask Weldon Show. My name is Weldon and I'm a sports psychology trainer with a master's degree in sports psychology and this is the show where you call in with your questions and I answer them from that perspective. Um, I also answer questions related to business and marketing and life and Anything in general that uh, you want to call in and ask about, uh, I try to hedge those with uh, an explanation of how it is that it fits my experience so that you can abstract value from it without thinking that I'm trying to say, like, this is the advice that you should take, right? Um, you can call in your question using anchor.fm slash Weldon Green. So go to anchor.fm slash Weldon Green. This is not a sponsor or anything. It's just the app that I use to publish my podcast, and it allows for call-in questions, which is super, super useful. Essentially, it's just an Android app or an iOS app uh, called Anchor, and you find my profile on it, and it lets you send an audio message. You just push audio message, and you hold the phone up to your ear, and it starts recording. I think you get a minute, and it makes the quality of your voice quite amazing. They do some little bit of uh, you know sound engineering with algorithms or something in the back end, to make everybody have a much more expensive microphone than they actually have in the bottom of their phone. So it sounds pretty cool. Anyway, you'll hear three of those questions today. And I look forward to having your questions in the stockpile because the stockpile is slowly dissipating as I do these shows every single day at 7.30 p.m. LA time. And you can tune in live to catch them and chat before and after the show and ask your questions in Twitch chat. So make sure to check that out. Uh, The channel name is Mind Games Weldon. And like I said, every single day, 7.30 p.m. LA time. Come join us. All right, why don't we jump into today's show? The first question is from Dave. Hi, Weldon. My name is Dave, and I play Melee. Recently, I have started playing teams more, and I've found it increasingly more difficult to train effectively. My static teams partner tilts very easily from things like something not going his way, or feeling like the other team is doing something gimmicky to win. This makes it very hard to improve as a team, where I know that our individual skills are good enough for us to do well. What kind of things can I do to support my teammate when he tilts, or to avoid tilting altogether? Also, it's been nine months since I've completed the Mac program, and I found it very helpful in my everyday life as well as my melee career. Thanks, Weldon. All right. Thank you for the question, Dave. So, there's there's kind of a uh, there's kind of a subtext to this question that runs along with it, and it, essentially it says, um, "How badly do you want your partner not to tilt?" Because essentially. Uh, it's, it's a really, 
it's a really kind of less useful idea to try to give advice or ex- give advice or explain to somebody how not to tilt along the way um, from your own experience. So when something happens and you're like, oh, you shouldn't tilt right here, you should think this or think this or you should do this, like it's very hard to, especially when somebody's actually in an emotional moment of uh, letting their emotions regulate their actions instead of the other way around, um, letting their actions uh, regulate their emotions. It's really hard to get through to them with the idea that your advice is not selfish in some way. So you have to decide if you really want to help this person in particular or if you would rather just perform well. And if the answer is to perform well, then what you're looking to do is put band-aids on situations. You're trying to defuse them. You're trying to get him to like perform better and or her uh, and just generally like stop impacting your game so much. Um, and you would sacrifice a certain amount of your own play to do so, or a certain amount of your conversation or time, but there's a limit to it, you know, and the limit is basically where you would then go seek out a new player. Now, if the answer is you want to help this person as a person, and it's irrelevant what happens to your own uh, melee career, then you can take the long-term approach. You can take the long-term view, and for that you have to create within the person the kind of agency that you had when you pursued the Mac program and did it for yourself. Behavior change doesn't really come from being imposed on the outside. It comes from generating within the person a motivation or desire to uh, to kind of like develop or pursue mastery in a, in a specific way. And then you provide them the tools and and you hold their hand along the way if they need, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, emotional support to craft their motivation, help it increase, make sure they don't stop their uh, training when it decreases, things like that. So, really think about, and, and this isn't, I'm not trying to judge you, and I don't think you should judge yourself, but I think you should think about how much you actually care Uh meaning how much you actually would sacrifice for this person to learn not to tilt. Because the answer to that question determines whether or not you help them uh, at all costs or whether you're just trying to like smooth things over in order to increase the team performance. Which, by the way, is kind of a selfish viewpoint, which is fine, but it also then is fine if the person is defensive and thinks that you just want to improve performance for your own sake, because actually it's true, right? Um. All right, so if you want to try to generate emotion within the person, motivation towards like their own behavior change, then usually you're going to start with uh, the trans-theoretical model of behavior change. So just look up trans-theoretical model of behavior change, and you're probably already familiar with it. It goes something like pre-contemplation, contemplation, planning, behavior change, maintenance, and it's a cycle. So you don't know you have a problem you know you have a problem, you're planning on how to change the problem, you're changing the problem actively, you're maintenancing that change in behavior. And, and everybody's somewhere in this cycle, and it kind of repeats and reinforces itself, and you fall out at any point, you can go in at any point, etc. So generally speaking, you have to move people from not knowing they have a problem, to knowing they have a problem, uh, to planning on how that they're going to solve the problem. And once they're at that stage, then they're kind of where you were when you started Mac, the Mac program, and then, you know, actively changing it would be what you were doing with Mac. 
So instead of assuming that the person is in the actively changing phase, you need to assume they're in the pre-contemplation or contemplation phase and kind of do the things that they need to hear and say the things that they need to hear and do the things that they need to witness in order to um, self-reflect and realize they have a problem. Okay, And you might not be able to engineer that reality. You might not be able to get in their heads and flip that switch. So, But your creative thinking of how it is that you could flip that switch will probably let you do more accurate and say more accurate things. So, for example, where you would say, you did this wrong, or you shouldn't tilt there, you might say, um, like, hey, let's watch a video with comms of some team that's winning. So we can compare like how they do things differently than us and we'll listen to them and then we'll listen to us in comms. And then after you listen to both games, you're like, I noticed one thing is there's like long periods of silence in our communication, especially after mistakes, and they don't have them on this team. So we should think about like how can we kickstart, jumpstart our conversation or our communication like after a mistake uh, how can I do it and how can you do it? And then how can we help each other do it? What can you say to me to jumpstart my communication? What can I say to you to jumpstart your communication? Uh, what is it? What are the things that you would want to hear from a teammate to kind of get refocused back on the on the match, you know? So you essentially are working with him like as a partner, kind of reflecting and uncovering systems of anti-tilt rather than as a know-it-all kind of explaining something to somebody who needs to learn it, you know, to discipline themselves. Uh, And in that way, the person's mind is more open to behavior change and to recognizing that they have a problem. Uh, Self-confession and self-realization is always more powerful and productive than somebody telling you something in terms of openness. That was just a simple example. Okay. Once you actually get them to the active behavior change part, then, of course, it's quite simple. You just give them tools and help them stay motivated. Tell them they're doing awesome. Uh, Motivation is usually governed, uh, in my perspective, from the theoretical framework of self-determination theory. That's the one I like to use the most. So autonomy relatedness and autonomy connectedness and um, uh, what is the mastery one? What is the name? Anyway, the seeking of mastery or development. So you can, you can try to find their basic psychological needs for connectedness. You know, you can do things with them. You can try to serve their basic psychological needs for autonomy. You can, um, you know, help them help themselves and you can help serve their basic basic psychological need for, you know, the pursuit of competence and for competence by helping track their mental resilience and kind of explaining when it's really good and showing and dis- and showcasing their effort that they put into doing it and the results that they get out of that training and then their motivation stays high. All right, thanks for the question, Dave. And it's a really tough question. I get this question a lot and there's no simple answer to be perfectly honest. But thanks for calling in and thanks for supporting the Mac program. For those of you who want to know what in the world he's talking about, this is it. 
mindgames.gg slash MAC. It's my online video training program, like 50 or 49 videos online, seven modules over seven weeks. And it's $30 and you use the coupon code AskWeldon when you're watching this show to get the $5 discount. So it's $25 and it's unlimited forever access no matter how many times I upgrade the program, which by the way, this is its third iteration. So um, people who bought it years ago, back in 2013, 14, still have accounts if they want them. And also it's uh, it's satisfaction guaranteed, meaning you can just ask for a refund whenever you want. Um, I don't particularly need or want your money. Well, I need your money. I don't particularly want to hold on to your money if you want it back because you're not satisfied with the program. So that's an easy fix. I just have a permanent refund philosophy. And more importantly, I'm turning this into an app. So I don't like the fact that it's video only. Do you guys remember the trans theoretical model behavior change I was talking about earlier in the question? Well, the issue is most online training courses, especially the video ones where they're like, hey, come learn a class on coding. Watch these seven videos. Blah, blah, blah. There's like a bajillion classes like these on the internet. They only work if you're in a specific spot of that trans theoretical model of behavior change, and if you're also high on motivation. So these classes do nothing to help move you through changes in behavior, and they help you do nothing if you happen to be low on motivation on one particular day. They only serve a very small, small segment of humans, which is those who are perfectly positioned to be actively changing their behavior, not in the maintenance phase, not in the pre-contemplation phase, and those who happen to be motivated that day to sit down and watch the video. Um, and they make a lot of money off those people and off people who have hope that they are those people but actually aren't. So this has always frustrated me about online video courses, and which is ironic, right, since I have one now. But um, but the the ambition from the beginning has been to create an app that is more pedagogically sound and addresses things from the perspective of a school teacher. Since I was a lecturer and a school teacher for so long, um, my perspective is that I have to help everybody in the classroom pass the class. Not just, this is the equivalent, so online video courses are essentially the equivalent of, um, you know, the teacher saying like, okay, well, these three students are tryharding and they're also excited about the class. So, I'm going to work with them over here and they're all going to pass and the rest of you can just go do whatever you want in the hallway. I don't even care. So I don't like that. Uh, That's not how actual school works. Your duty as a teacher is to bring everybody into a state where they understand the material, they want to learn the material, they're motivated by the material and they pick it up and learn it, right? And you do that through pedagogy, the act of, or the, the science of teaching and constructing learning environments and constructing learning. So it's very difficult to construct improved pedagogy in an, in a video-only you know, classroom where they have to go and click on it, and then they get you. Then you can talk to them and try to motivate them, but that's hard. So that's why I'm creating an app. That's why this is becoming an app, so I can hit more angles of the pedagogical sciences and try to improve people's transitions from contemplation to planning planning to active and active to maintenance and maintenance back to contemplation of the next behavior, um, et cetera, et cetera. And then also to help people with their motivation. So to help them improve their autonomy, improve their relatedness and improve their competence. All right. That's about all that I can say about the Mac program. And 
If you purchase it now, obviously you get access to the app and you also support the development of the app. So part of me wants you to wait and purchase the app because then I'll make more money since we're moving to the subscription model. But then part of me wants you to buy it now because I need the funds of the current purchases to continue to support the development of the app. So either way, do what you want. Make sure to check it out, mindgames.gg slash MAC. And uh, yeah, let me know what you think. Hop into the Discord and give feedback. There's a specific channel both for customer service, if you want your refund, by the way, and also for the Mac program in general, which I'm probably going to change the name just to Mind Games app, to be perfectly honest. Let's do the next question. This one is from Sam. Hey, Baldwin. Sam, aka Just Casual here. And I just watched the video about a new Tetris that has a VR experience and how they had a professional Tetris player playing it, one of the best in the world, and how they're performing better, actually, using the VR experience. And they started hypothesizing that it could be because of the immersive experience creating an easier way to get into flow state. So I'm just curious what you think about this, if you think that may be true, also, if that has any implications for esports, because I know VR esports is probably a bit further along in the horizon, but if there's ways for pro players to create a more immersive experience on stage or in their practice to help achieve flow state better. Thanks. All right, so very interesting question. Um, I do want to watch the video and read the article or research on this. Um, basically, what Sam is talking about is um, flow state, which is a a psychological state described first by this guy, whose name I can never pronounce. So I have his Wikipedia page open. I'm going to click the listen button. Um, Mihai Cheek sent Mihai. That's his name, and uh, and essentially it was uh, he. It's like a positive experiencing so like it's a very uh enjoyable state of pure performance that typically people think of in terms of optimal performance but actually it's more in line with autotelic experiences so for example automatic learning so in in my line of work i'm most concerned with flow state as per how it helps you learn automatically without effort uh, or without feeling the effort it's actually massive effort but it doesn't feel like work um, but most people associate flow state with like optimum performance or peak performance or, or out of bounds performance, meaning like better than they could do. Although that's not really true because what actually happens is they perform as well as they could in the given moment. And more importantly, we have now several studies backing up the the uh, science of... Um, we have now several studies that have shown that flow state performances and performances under maximum concentration but without flow state uh, have very similar levels of performance. So my guess, Sam, would be that these uh, authors or the scientists are projecting this misunderstanding of flow state, which is that it gives you like an optimal performance state, onto uh, this, this Tetris player and saying like, oh, he's in flow, so he must therefore be performing higher. When... Um, when in reality, high performers usually can perform very well whether they're in flow state or not. And the 
subjective experience of the performer is that they perform better in flow state. But the objective analysis of their performance is that it, although it feels way easier to do that performance, it's actually quite similar to their out-of-flow state maximum performance. On the other hand, this is not a high performer in terms of sport, right? This is a Tetris player. So it could be that he, unlike athletes who are honed through pain, that is, when you train, you push against pain barriers in your training. In Tetris, you don't really train that way. You don't push against pain barriers in your training. So it could be that, like, flow state actually does give him a boost in performance because his other otherwise mental resilience could be very low and his ability to concentrate could be very low uh, in comparison to, for example, an elite sport athlete. So those are my thoughts, just thinking about the situation you described offhand. Um, yeah. There's so many other factors at play here, though, between the difference between VR control and, and what is it, console control, controller control. What's the, what do you, if you're already using the word control in the sentence, how do you talk about a controller for a console without using the word controller? I don't even know. Anyway, um, it could be, it also could be something spatial. I mean, who knows? I don't think very well in language. I think in, in like geographic shapes and a little bit in colors. Maybe this guy is a linguistic thinker and it really benefits him to see the shapes kind of like in their, you know, three-dimensional zone. Or maybe the game is just easier. I don't know. Um, there's just so many random things. Uh, we would need, it, it would need to be a much more large scale set of studies or a bunch of other different pillars and maybe understanding the mechanism of what's going on to answer that question. But it's a curious question. So I'm excited to see what happens in the future. All right, let's jump into the final question of the show. All right, this one is from Hydrochorus or Hydrochorus, something like that. Hey, Weldon, this is Hydrochorus. I started playing League of Legends about two years ago, mostly for escapism. Um, once I realized that it's, it was really my first PvP game, and once I realized you can just continue to improve and get uh, play against better people, I wanted to improve. Um, however, I've never really been able to break the idea that this is something I do for escapism. And any time I try to really focus on improving, um, I really struggle to stick to a training plan or to see any meaningful progress. Um, any tips to help? Thanks. All right. Thank you for the question. I'm excited for this answer. So, first of all, the way to convince yourself that you're doing it for mastery versus escapism is to prove to yourself that you're not satisfying your urges uh, to go and play the game. So this requires a little bit of mindfulness, a little bit of self-awareness, a little bit of reflection. Uh, next time you feel that emotion of grasping. So this would be a, in, in religious scholarship, they call it grasping, where you, where you seek attachment to or desire for like an object or an experience or a taste or a feeling, right? It's kind of like on the one hand, you have, you know, this like, slight tingling need for, you know, to touch something or to eat something. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have addiction, you know, where people crave it so strongly that they can't release it. And this is particularly shown in activity of the PCC, 
which um, is the... I can never remember the name of this... What this... What the uh, Posterior. The posterior cigulate cortex. So they look at activity in here and they see it's much more active with people who are addicted and, and experiencing this grasping thing. Whereas for people who are like fully aware of their addictions and their desires and their grasping and have, have minimized them like ascetic monks, you know, and, and, and people who focus on not attaching themselves to the world, to worldly things. This has the lowest amount of activity. So if you, if you want to convince yourself that you're not doing this for escapism, then you pay attention to this urge, this human urge for grasping, which is kind of coming out of your brain, and you deny it. And if you can deny it, then you have control over it. And if you have control over it, then you have volition and choice and you are not doing it for escapism. You're doing it for yourself. You're doing it as you choose. So the way that you kind of see this grasping is obviously through mindfulness or meta thinking approaches. So that's where you're like in your brain, watching your brain think. So the next time that you like just autopilot towards League of Legends, you look inside and you say like, where is the part of me or the emotion that kind of wants to play? What do I want out of this experience? What kind of satiating emotions do I get? Why do I want those emotions? What Do they make me feel powerful? Does it make me feel r- relaxed? Usually no. Does it make me feel, um, you know, satiated in some way because I get to show my competence, because I get to connect with other people, because I get to make my own choices instead of being trapped in a world where, um, you know, I don't get to make my own choices. Maybe you'd Maybe you can't, you know, uh, fantasy escapism is very important for people, for example, from low socioeconomic status because they get to make a lot more of their own choices. Okay, so that, that kind of stuff. So essentially, you just, you just pay attention to your grasping reflex and you choose to either give into it or not give into it based on how strong your willpower is for that day. And then you know if you're doing it for escapism, you, there's always the element of escapism, but you know if you're doing it for that purpose or if you're doing it because you're choosing to train now. Okay. Then, um, if the question is like, how do I how do I increase my discipline towards training? Well, that is the entire point, right? Is that uh, you should slowly build the capability of sticking to a training routine by using League of Legends as your excuse, right? That you should say, okay, I'm going to try to get on the horse and I'm going to try to... Tr- have a training routine and I'm going to try to keep to it for a couple days. And um, like, this is my mission. And you strive to subjugate your your um, League of Legends life and your life in general to the long-term kind of like value-driven desire of mastery of this, of this game. And this essentially relies on either your level of discipline or your level of motivation. So when you have high motivation, it's easy. If you have low motivation, then you need high discipline. Um, Because, yeah, otherwise it doesn't really come for free. And uh, you also should not see it as an all or one kind of thing. I think that I have the most success with people when I layer on behaviors. So when we pick one and we do it and we make that the end-all, be-all priority behavior. So like getting up every single day at at four for me was the thing. Um, it didn't even matter if I succeeded or failed in my content creation or my streaming or whatever happened after I woke up. The most important thing was that I got up at four. So I have all this stuff I want to do, right? I want to get up at four, stream at, uh, prep the show, stream at 4.30, not eat food, 
um, go to the gym. I want to do my yoga when I'm at the gym. I want to try hard during all my sets. I want to not listen to music or distractions while I'm there. Then I want to like eat a very small meal afterwards. And then I want to, yeah, um, do my email. So like at some, for example, the other day, like I got up at four, not really, kind of got up at 4.15, prepped the show, not really kind of did it on stream. Uh, actually ate something before the show because I was super low blood sugar and I was really stressed out and I really needed some food. Went to the gym, kind of listened to a podcast a little bit, did my yoga, but I didn't do the whole set. I didn't do the final, final activity. Um, and then I did my my lifting, but... Um, and, and okay, the, this is the good thing is I actually took my headphones out, you know, put them to the side, really focused in. And even though I didn't have a full set, I only had like uh, about an hour, instead of like an hour and a half, I was able to like really focus in and and strive on a couple different lifts. So I, I was able for like 10 minutes there to really push my limits, especially on the bench. So there we go. Like I got one victory out of it, right? So, but the point is you're not going to, it's not an all or nothing kind of thing, all right? You're aiming towards um, prioritizing your behaviors and using your your long-term desire. So for me, the long-term desire is I want to I want to you know hike the Camino de Santiago, and I want to be able to throw my kids up in the air, and I want to be able to sell T-shirts with my abs. Those are like the things, right? So I have them way out there, and I visualize them, and I and I've increased their importance, and I've and I've linked up my daily behaviors, you know, with with one month goals and three months goals and and six month goals and one year goals, kind of like leading towards these things and these desires um and and then above all of that is like the knowledge that these kind of like success driven behaviors will lead me to my actual daily desires which is that i want to like renovate the house so that i can live in it with my kids so we got to finish the renovation so i need money for that right um and the desire to kind of like have a career that will allow me to stay here in finland where i can go fishing and go to the cabin and hang out with my kids and, you know, not have to travel all that much. So, so these kind of values are the things that are way, 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 way out in front of me that I use to power the daily activities to the extent to which I can, I can master them. And so what you want to think of is like wiring up your long-term League of Legends play. So you're like, okay, so I want to get Challenger. And you're visualizing what that's like and what it feels like and, and the path there. And you break that down to the six-month barrier and to the one-month barrier and to the daily barrier. Like, what do the actions look like that get you to Challenger in a year's time uh, today? What, what, are the, what does that play out as? And then hidden behind that goal of reaching Challenger is the knowledge that like, okay, but sure, that's, a, that's an aspirational goal and that's helping drive me and I have ambition toward it. But what is it really doing? And you're thinking, okay, it's helping me with the skills, uh, the training skills that I need to be competent in a number of uh, different channels, um, uh, skill sets. It's helping me with my my compassion towards other people that I'm going to play into the relationships that I have in the future. So it's going to help me be a better father, husband, whatever, because I am like in the solo queue game and I see this person in pain and instead of flailing out at them and like, like in inducing my own pain because of my frustration in the experience, I reach out in compassion and I try to empathize with them because uh, that is more important to me than than like winning or losing the game because I know that it both helps me with my mastery of getting to challenger because then I win more games because I help untilt teammates. And also 
with my goal of like being a more compassionate person and building those connected relationships. So then you kind of like, you know, you start to fold in these like secret missions like above your values that give you the little extra fuel for your motivation. So that is the way that I see that pursuit of mastery through the game on disciplining yourself to the game on a daily basis, whether you play it or not, you can gear your actions towards it, right? You can wake up early, eat well, go to the gym, do physical activity, plan and plot your goals and your aspirations within the game, track a bunch of variables in the game, all without playing it at all. Like that can all be like when you you read a research article or a book with the intention to extract value to help you play the game, you watch a VOD of your own play and you write down the things that you say and you create a to-do list or a task list of things that you want to train and you prioritize them. That's all work that's not even in the game yet, but is incredibly valuable for learning the system of mastery um, that you will apply to other situations in the future and other skills. And by the time you kind of get to the point where you're playing the game, whether or not you do it that day hardly matters at this point because of all the other extra hard work that you put in on your mind and your body. Thank you for the question. Thanks for allowing me to rant about my favorite topic, which is exactly why I'm in eSport in the first place, is your specific topic. How to switch from escapism to training And also, by the way, this is going to be the topic of my PhD research because I'm really curious what this looks like in the brain. If we examined your brain, could we see somebody who was playing more for escapism on the addiction side of the spectrum? Could we see somebody who is less grasping and able to, you know, can we see the activity in the PCC? Can Can we see when people are able to master that grasping reflex and be on the left side of the spectrum towards um, escapism? Can we see when people are training an esport versus when they're addicted to a video game? Can we see in the brain what those things are? And therefore, can we say there's a right way and a wrong way to play video games for our youth and there's a right way to kind of build it up? This is what I'm most interested in, kind of in the world right now. All right, good question. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Make sure to check out the live show, 7.30 p.m. LA time on twitch.tv slash mindgameswellden. Make sure to check out the Mac program, mindgames.gg slash mac. Use the code AskWeldon. It supports everything we're doing on this channel and the development of the app. And subscribe to YouTube and share this video with your friends if you think that they would get use out of it. I will see you tomorrow. That's the show for you today. I hope that you guys enjoyed it. Remember, you can check out the show live at twitch.tv slash mindgameswelden every day, 6.30 p.m. And you can join the pre- and post-show chat where I answer questions from the audience in depth. We can kind of dig into them deeper because you're there to respond. And make sure that if you check out the Mac program, mindgames.gg slash MAC, that you guys use the code podcast. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.